Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Creep Me Out with Tarot Reader Peter. In this show, I will be using my knowledge of witchcraft and the occult, as well as my intuitive gifts, to help advise and critique listener-submitted creepy stories and experiences. From time to time, I may share a story of my own or even stray from reading stories to discuss specific occult topics that I find interesting or important. Due to the nature of the subject matter that we will be discussing, some listeners may find the following stories shocking or disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, so instead of doing our typical format this week of reading email submissions, I've asked for questions on Instagram, and I've had a couple people, a couple friends submit questions, so I think we're going to format this much more as like a Q&A. I'll probably answer a couple of the questions with stories of my own though, so just bear with me and let's get into it. So our first question of the night here is, do you remember your first crystal? If so, what was it? So when I was younger... I actually, when I was very little, I collected marbles, and I loved them to death. I loved my marbles, and I didn't like to, like, play marbles, like, to shoot them at each other and stuff like that. I just like to kind of sit in the sun with them and look at the pretty colors, and I remember I had this really pretty tiger's eye marble, and it was, like, my best friend. Like, I literally carried it in my pocket everywhere, and so I don't really know if that counts because... It wasn't like I had that as like a magical healing crystal. I just really loved my marbles and I loved that one in particular. Maybe it did make me feel powerful or at peace or something like that. And maybe that's why I liked it so much. But I think a better answer to your question, a more helpful answer is um, I talked about it a lot on Instagram. Actually, my very first crystal was a blue lapis lazuli from Pakistan and my girlfriend bought it from my local crystal store for me for my 25th birthday. And up to that point in my life, I had always kept clear quartz crystals around, but just for protection and just to kind of ward off negative energies. And when I got this lapis lazuli, it changed my life in a big way in that I instantly, when I had this rock in my pocket, felt much more connected to my intuition and I was much better able to interpret the messages that I was getting from my spirit guides, but also the spirits that I came in contact with on a daily basis. And so this was kind of the rock that convinced me that crystals were worth keeping around. After that moment where I got this lapis lazuli, I really never left my house without crystals ever again. From there, I started looking into protection and to manifesting crystals and now I have a, a crazy collection of rocks, but I literally never leave my house without crystals. They're like a staple in my witchcraft practice. And just to go off on a tangent from that question, because people ask me all the time, what crystals would I recommend for a beginner or for protection specifically or for anxiety? And so I'm going to give the quick Tarot Reader Peter crystal breakdown, and I'm going to tell you for protection, I use pyrite or septarian stone. For anxiety, I use blue calcite. To reflect negative intentions, always a natural citrine. 
to amplify manifestations or to ward off nightmares, I use amethyst or carnelian. So that's the quick breakdown. A lot of people also ask me how they should pick their crystals, how they should pick what type of crystals they need for each individual feeling and situation, whatever. And I always advocate for going to a physical crystal store and looking around and just kind of feeling out how each different crystal makes you feel when you first see them and then maybe how they feel in your hands. And this is actually what I do when I pick crystals for myself. I always really just go to the crystal store knowing like, okay, I need something for protection today. What makes me feel protected? And that's what I'll keep in mind as I walk around the crystal store and I pick things up and I look in different drawers and etc. I kind of like go the extra mile in making sure that the specific crystal that I pick is really aligned with the intention that I'm looking for. And now for our next question, we have, how can I kick an energy vampire out of my life? And for those of you that don't know, an energy vampire is basically someone that when you're around them, they just kind of steal all of your energy without giving you back any energy in return. And they just kind of make you feel drained or really mellow or low energy, maybe sometimes even depressed or your typical energy vampire really has this way of like sucking the happiness out of the room and making everything kind of dark and dreary, even when it shouldn't be. So that's what an energy vampire is. Now, how to get rid of one. Personally, in my life, I have found that putting up walls of protection around my own energy and making sure that I draw like effective boundaries against this type of behavior, against this type of energy vampire type person has really kind of removed all of those people from my life naturally. It's almost like when they can't take your energy anymore, they just step out of your way or step out of your life because they're looking for someone else's energy to suck out of them. So yeah, I kind of recommend that. I would go the extra mile to, like I said, make sure you're setting like really clear boundaries. Make sure you're like showing up to enforce those boundaries, showing up to protect your own energy in a meaningful way because energy is really the most important resource that we have. Whenever I talk about like protecting your energy from toxic people or protecting your energy from what this person has called an energy vampire, uh, there's always the question of, but what if the person, what if the vampire is part of your family? What if it's someone that you can't separate yourself from? How do you go about protecting your energy from them? And this is really where, for me, I am just always thinking about protection and protecting my energy and making sure that no outside energy can penetrate my spaces or you know, work its way into my life and disrupt my flow of energy. And so what I do personally is I'll put multiple measures of protection into place. Like I carry crystals. I'll also write something on my arm to remind me to protect my energy, to remind me to draw boundaries. I'll, you know, before I go into doing this, I'll listen to music that makes me feel really powerful, really strong. It can be as simple as wearing a shirt that makes you feel powerful enough to say no to people trying to cross your personal boundaries. It can literally be anything, but protecting your energy is majorly important, especially from the people that you can't walk away from in your life. So I would kind of say that 
the protective part is the most important thing when it comes to dealing with someone that's toxic in your life that you can't necessarily cut out of your life. You know, like, let's say like your mom or your dad or whatever, your aunt, uncle, brother, whoever. The really important piece is just knowing exactly where to draw that line in the metaphorical sand so that when it's crossed, you can recognize that and recognize when someone is impeding on your energy or invading your boundaries in a way that is worth getting worked up over or stepping out of the room or protecting yourself in a verbal or physical way. After putting it that way, I was thinking about it and I feel like there's definitely going to be at least one person that's like, so I should fight my mom when she crosses my boundaries. And that's not what I mean by physical way. I meant more like getting up and walking out of the room or, you know, moving yourself to a safe space to kind of enforce your boundaries and let it be known that you're not willing to just sit there and allow people to take energy from you with no consequences. So now our next question of the night, what is your funniest encounter with a spirit slash entity? And I had to think about this for a little while because funniest is a weird word to use. I haven't had many laughable experiences with spirits or entities, but this is the one that came to mind. So one day I was hanging out at my friend's house and we were in his basement and they always talked about how their boiler room at the end of the basement was haunted and that the lights would go off, weird things would happen in there, but there was a refrigerator in there that had soda in it. So whenever someone would want a drink, they would have to go to the haunted boiler room to get a drink. Oh, I don't think I said this, but I was probably like 15 or 16 at the time of this story. And so being the occult obsessed teenager that I was, one day I decided that we had to paranormal investigate this boiler room. So we took a camera and we went into the boiler room and while me and one other friend were in there, we're just looking around, feeling out the room. Definitely it felt weird. I had like an overwhelming sense of dread, but like not like anything too crazy, just like a normal level of there was something that wasn't right in that room. So now me and my friend are just kind of wandering around this small little room. We're looking around. We turn the lights off. We turn the lights on. Uh, it's worth mentioning the light switch for this room was on the outside of the door to enter this room. So all of a sudden the door slams shut and the lights go off. Now me and my friend are just standing in the room we're assuming that our friends are just playing a trick on us. They probably lock the door and they're going to hold it and keep us stuck in here, whatever. So we're just like hanging out for a minute, like a minute or two passes and like there's no sound. We're just like talking to each other. And now we both try and open the door, but it's locked. It won't open, which is what we assumed. Then we realize that there's no lock on this door based on the type of doorknob that there was. So we start trying to push this door open, it won't budge at all. Like, do you know when you're like fighting with your siblings or something like that, you're trying to push a door open and the door gives a little bit and then closes and then gives a little bit and then closes. That wasn't happening at all. It was just like a solid brick of a door. We couldn't even push it a little bit. So now both of us are pushing, pushing this door, trying to get out and it just will not budge. All of a sudden it gives like about an inch or two and then slams back into the door frame 
and both of us fell backwards and fell on our asses. And I fell on a couple of, like, ripped up shingles and got, like, nails in my arm. And my friend, same thing, fell on him. I think they landed in his hand or something like that. And now the door swings open slowly. And standing there is my other friend's little sister, the friend that actually lived in this house, his little sister, standing there with, like, the most maniacally evil smile on her face that I've ever seen. And in the background, like, 20 feet away... Her brother is standing at the end of the hallway, like ghost white, pale white. And we run up to him and I'm, we ask him like, what happened? What was, how is she holding the door? Like you guys were, are obviously fucking with us. Like what is going on? And he just with the straightest face says, she was just looking at the door laughing. And so this story, obviously this was not my funniest encounter with a spirit, but this was something that was so inexplicable and so so weird that this happened that this is the story that I thought of for this question. So I hope that is the answer you were looking for. Moving on to our next question. It is, how come my spirituality goes in and out? Like sometimes it's really strong and other times it's really weak. Now, I think this is a really good question because there's potentially a lot of things that can influence your ability to connect with your intuition or to connect with a higher vibration, a higher plane, a different realm, whatever you prefer to call it. First off, I think that personally, I like to look at intuition and psychic connection as a muscle that needs to be exercised in order for it to maintain its strength and its energy. So if you're just reaching a level of connection to your intuition and then just falling out of your spiritual practices, it's not really that surprising that you might feel more connected some days and less connected other days. I think also it is a natural cycle that goes along with the energy of the people around you, but also the world around you and maybe even the planets and their motions in the sky. So I would say that there's a lot that can influence your connection to to spirituality and to your own spirituality. And I would urge you to, when you feel like you're less connected, to work more to connect. And when you feel like you're more connected, to maintain that same level of effort trying to connect so that you can really tell what it is that's actually affecting your connection to your intuition or your spirituality, whatever you want to call it. Our next question is, what's the best thing that you've experienced on your spiritual journey? And now I thought pretty hard about this question because this is a a complex question. I've experienced a lot in the 27 years that I've been alive. And I think one of the very best things that I've experienced was I was doing the Ouija board with my girlfriend and it was probably the second time that she'd ever done the Ouija board, but like the 9,000th time that I've done it. And we made contact with my dog that had passed away basically like two or three months before this. And in that moment, the first moment of connection to this particular spirit, to my dog's spirit, I felt him in the room. I literally saw him in the room with me. And I was so overwhelmed with joy and peace and serenity And I knew, I literally knew by the energy that had filled me that I was actually connected to my puppy and 
it was honestly a crazy experience. It's almost like inexplicable. I barely have the words to describe what it felt like to talk to this pet that I loved so dearly that literally my mom would always say that I was his boy, like he was my owner and I was his pet. So this connection was very deep and, you know, real for me. And connecting with him through the Ouija board almost literally blew my mind. I I obviously it was crying and it was very intense, but in a very happy and life-changing way. It was really cool. Now, our next question, what is the single most important message that your spirit guides have told you up to today? And I really like this question because my spirit guides tell me the same thing all the time. I always get this same message just repeated one million times in my head per day, honestly. And it's always this clear and apparent overwhelming message that I just need to keep on going. I need to keep on visualizing what I want my life to be like. I need to keep on following my heart and doing every situation every single day with 100% consciousness and 100% intention, trying to move in the direction that I see myself going in. And so honestly, I hear it a million times per day, but I need to hear it a million times per day. And I would say that that message alone is at least 90% of the reason why I continue to wake up and know that I'm going to be okay in life. So I think that that's pretty important. I would probably say that that's the most important message I receive pretty consistently. And now our next question is, I hear and feel footsteps in my house a lot when no one else is there, but it doesn't really scare me. What does this mean? And now the thing about hauntings in general is there are plenty of people that live in a haunted house and just coexist with a spirit forever into perpetuity. The thing is, most people don't even realize that their house or their apartment is haunted until that haunting actually escalates into something that scares them. And then once there's fear or other intense emotions in that space, usually the haunting will just escalate more and more, feeding off of that energy. So if you're not particularly afraid of these footsteps and you don't really get this feeling of dread or feeling of fear from this haunting at your place, then this is probably just, you know, a typical spirit that lives in a home. Maybe the person lived there at some point in their lives. Even if you're not afraid right now, though, I urge you to make sure that you are spiritually protecting both yourself and your spaces because you wouldn't want to allow any energy to basically propagate negativity in your space. And then one day maybe it could escalate or it could feed off of your negative emotions. So I would just be careful either way. And now our next question, right when I'm falling asleep, sometimes it feels like I'm spinning or like my bed is spinning and I'm falling or floating off of it. Why is this happening? Now, this is actually a pretty dire sign that you probably have a negative energy attachment or a negative entity attachment that is basically taking control of your energy while you're in a weakened, vulnerable state, you know, going to sleep. And so this is kind of the sign that you need to do some sort of cleansing or energy clearing 
to make sure that there isn't something kind of living dormant inside of you, just waiting for you to be weak enough for you for it to take over and influence your energy and your intentions. Moving right along here, our next question, what are some good indicators that I am spiritually protected and don't realize it? And now I like this question a lot because I bet there are a lot of people out there that are spiritually protected by someone in their lineage, but don't really realize it. And so my answer to this is if you've survived multiple near-death experiences, so like you've gotten so lucky that it's almost hard to believe, if you've experienced tragedy at a young age, had dreams where past loved ones are holding you in their arms or hugging you or kissing you or telling you that you're protected, and if you feel followed but you're not scared or you feel like you know the person that's following you, those are some signs that you have this sort of spirit protection, that there's someone on the other side of the veil that is following you and making sure that you're okay in all that you do. And now our next question, what are some cautions I should take if I try to open my third eye? And now I always try to remind people that your third eye is basically a metaphor for your intuition and for your connection to the planes that exist beyond this human physical plane. So the other thing I like to remind people is it can be extremely intense to know the truth of the universe that was not handed to you. If you go looking for answers that are deeper than what you expect, you might find something that you can't unlearn. So in pursuing this act of opening up your intuition, of opening your doors to understanding the universe and the energy that is out there in a deeper and more complex way, you are also opening yourself up to the pain of having to bear that knowledge that you might not be ready for. So if you're looking for what you should be cautious about in opening your third eye, I would say it's exactly that. It's are you willing to learn things that you maybe will have to carry with you for the rest of your life? If you are, by all means, jump right in. But be weary that sometimes when you open the door of truth, you cannot close it afterwards. So for the end of this podcast tonight, I wanted to do something a little bit different and I had some friends and listeners submit voice questions, and I'm just going to answer a couple of them to wrap up this episode. Hey, Peter, it's Jessica Smith. I am curious, with all of the creepy, exciting, scary, paranormal things that have happened to you, how do you feel in those moments? Do you do you feel scared? Do you feel creeped out? Do you feel like you're going to freak out? Do you feel calm and collected? How do you handle it all? That's a great question. And to be honest, it really depends on what is going on around me. Nine out of 10 times, I am not terrified. I'm not scared. I am standing strong with my convictions, knowing that I'm protected, that I have measures to protect myself whether in my pocket, wearing an amulet, wearing some sort of protection. Usually I'm not scared, but of course 
there are times where I am obviously outpowered and out of my league in dealing with some sort of powerful entity or some sort of strong invasive energy. In those moments, I try my best not to be scared because I know that fear feeds into these negative energies. And I typically, I'm very focused on restoring protection for myself and then restoring protection over my spaces. So usually not scared, usually very focused on protection. That definitely comes with the experience though, because over the years I have been put in a lot of situations where I was forced to call forward my protective spirit guides and I was forced to go deeper down the rabbit hole of learning how to protect myself spiritually. So I think that I'm less scared now in my life because I understand the way that paranormal activity occurs and how negative emotions and negative energies are really what feed those things and what allow those things to propagate. Thank you for your question, Jessica. I really appreciate it. And now our next voice question. When you dive into dreams and experiences, do you usually channel images or words and like phrases first? I'm curious. So it really depends on whether I'm interpreting dreams or experiences. Because if it's dreams, I like to lean more into words and phrases and the symbolism of the dream rather than try to channel images because different people's minds work in different ways and come up with different images. So it's basically like you can never actually explain a dream in the way that you actually experienced it. So because I feel like there's just so much lost in someone even trying to explain their dream to me, it's hard to actually see the dream in the way that it's meant to be seen. So I like to lean into words or phrases there. But then experiences, when I'm reading somebody's experiences, it is a very vivid experience for me too. I definitely can almost exactly see the scene as I'm reading through an experience and see and feel what is going on. And so thank you for asking that question because that is also a great question. Thank you to everyone that submitted a question for this week's episode. I know it was a bit different. If you liked it, let me know. If you didn't, still let me know. If you want to submit your own creepy story or experience or even a question, please send them to trpcreepmeout at gmail.com. For more creepy stuff, follow me on Instagram at tarotreaderpeter. I hope you guys have a lovely night, and I'll see you next week.